Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Mitch Case is my guest today, and Mitch quit his job, and I'm going to use his words, and I'm not putting words in his mouth. He quit his job, quote, to help employers avoid their employees and colleagues doing the same, close quote. Now, given all the media coverage about the great resignation and the challenges I hear that employers are confronted with in connection with retaining employees, perhaps Mitch Case has found the answer to the employee retention issue. I don't know. We're going to hear from him to see whether he solved the problem. Now, before he quit his job, let me tell you what he did for over nine years. He's one of those STEM people. He worked as an engineer for over nine years. And according to Mitch, the money was great, but there was something missing. There was a void. And that's why he quit his job to build a business, to become an entrepreneur on a full-time basis. Mitch founded More Than a Meal. I won't explain to you what it is. I'll leave it to Mitch to tell you about More Than a Meal and his other passions and interests. Welcome, Mitch, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Beverly. I'm uh, incredibly excited to have this conversation. And I, I will have to say, I, I don't know that I have solved the the problem of employee retention, but I like to think that we have a, a little bit of something to do with helping uh, some of those great organizations that are looking for ways to increase their retention. I think they'll be more than receptive to any suggestions that are reasonable and plausible and that might work. because. If I believe everything that I'm hearing and reading, um, it's really a challenge. But as we discussed a little earlier, uh, employers are interested in retaining critical talent. And that's a phrase I've heard or read somewhere. And unfortunately, I don't remember the source because I would give the source attribution. But those are not my words. Those are the words that I saw somewhere or heard somewhere. And mm. I just caution listeners and employees everywhere to ask themselves whether they are indeed critical talent, because every employee is not. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And and so much of that process of retention can can really help from the front end uh, of the hiring side of things. But I know we'll kind of dig into a lot of that. And it's just a, uh, yeah, it's an interesting time right now is, you know, there's a lot of individuals that are maybe looking for something more. And, you know, what is that and what's going to allow them to thrive in that? Or is it the other side of it? And, you know, maybe they need to figure out a different path. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all, I think most people, let me say that most people aspire to do better. They're aspirational. They have hopes and dreams and and they want a certain kind of life. And I fully support that. that, That's one of the reasons I'm doing this, this podcast, because I think people need information and everyone can't afford to pay for it. So as we get into this, perhaps your path, your journey will be helpful to our listeners. That's the hope because you did something that I'm sure many people wish they could or would do and may not have the courage to do it or may not think that they are able to do it. But before we go there, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Obviously, my name is Mitch Case. I founded the company More Than a Meal, where we really help organizations strengthen the most valued relationships through really simple meal kits delivered to their door. Now, kind of going back into my story, you know, I grew up in the Jefferson City, Missouri area. I was always really good at math and science. So I, I remember in like middle school, we'd sit down, they say, What do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, they'd throw down all these different pamphlets and, you know, they'd say, Well, you're good at math, you're good at science. So why don't you look in these things? And then, of course, like, engineer was the one that had the most zeros behind it. So I was like, well, I want to, I want to make that money. So, you know, that was kind of my, my decision. Now I had some uncles that were engineers as well. So that led me down that path. And ultimately I went to Mizzou, I got my mechanical engineering degree and that's what brought me to Kansas city, ultimately working for a manufacturing plant, which I, I quickly realized I wasn't going to thrive in a environment where I was sitting behind a computer all day, every day. And helping out in that regards. And, and I was fortunate enough to find an organization that actually go and sell that piece of manufactured equipment that we were making. And that's where I really started my entrepreneurial journey. You know, I, I jumped in as a sales engineer. I had to go out and create my book of business. I had to cultivate the relationships. I had to get different strategies in place. Competition was coming through. And ultimately, I was rewarded for the work that I was doing from a financial perspective. And, you know, when I didn't have any kids or anything along those lines and few responsibilities, it wasn't hard for me to put a lot of self-worth and value into what I was able to create in that job. But ultimately, after about six years of that, I think I, you know, once my kids started coming along, my values changed. My self-worth was starting to change. And I, I recognized that I was working pretty extensive hours and I was sacrificing time with my family to go and do this. And, you know, it just started kind of weigh on me. And that was when I kind of like, it feels like there's something more. There's, I'm missing something. You know, I I grew up in this, this mindset of go get a job, climb the corporate ladder, retire, you're going to make a lot of money and life is all set. But, you know, I was just kind of that question. I, I think a lot of people come into that question after about five to 10 years of their, their career is like, is, is this it? Is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? And fortunately, I had some people around me and I was on this 
personal development journey where I was learning so much and recognizing different things that people were doing that I was like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. I want to go and do something like that. Or, you know, I'm really good at that. I could, I could figure out a way to go and do this. So that was where through the experience of creating my own book of business and this personal development journey I was on, I really started to kind of come into the things that I was, I was pretty good at and the things that brought me a lot of joy. And ultimately, like that led me to the point where I decided to walk away from my engineering career and go full time into our business more than a meal to, you know, say that I can look back in 20 years and say, you know what? Even if I fall flat on my face, I took a leap. I went into something that I believed in and I had the right things in place to make sure that I wasn't just going to fall flat on my face the second I jumped out of that plane. But, you know, we're working towards the, the point where we get it together and it takes off. And, you know, that's, that has given me a lot of joy, a lot of purpose. You know, I, I can't say that the stress isn't there because sometimes it's incredibly stressful. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of jokingly around and tell people like I've never been more happy and, and less a different kind of stress, but making little money in my life. And, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy with this decision that I've made up until this point in my life. Well, when you were trying to decide what your next step would be, how did you go about making the decision? You would, I get the sense that you gathered information, but how did you go about doing that? Did you talk to people who you thought might have information that would benefit you? Or were your un- people like your uncles who may have influenced you in your engineering career, were they business people that may have given you suggestions? What steps did you take when you decided to jump out of that plane? So one of the, the biggest things that I recognized through that personal development journey that, that business ownership was eventually going to be a path that I wanted. But you know, I was, I was on that journey for three plus years trying to figure out what was that going to be. And after our first son was born in 2017, we were blessed to receive some, some meals. And ultimately, through a longer story that I won't dig into, that's really what sparked the the idea and creation of what is now more than a meal. Now, at that time, it was more of a passion project and a hobby versus a full-blown business, I would say. But what I found was that even though I was still working my engineering job at that point, the work that I was doing through more than a meal made me smile a lot. It gave me, you know, it was nights and weekends we were doing that. It was hard work, but we always enjoyed what we were doing when we were doing it because we were getting to be a small part of somebody else blessing somebody else in a moment that they needed help. And, you know, once I started seeing that this was bringing me a lot more joy, it was just kind of an easy path for us to say, you know, look, if this is a way that we can go out and continue to serve other people with the gifts that we've been given and we can make it viable for our family to live a comfortable life off of, then let's see what, see what we can do. And, you know, that was, like I said, it was back in 2017 when we, we started this and kept rolling, but some, some really big moments for me personally, as I was going through that journey and before we made this a full-blown business was several different individuals, advisors, mentors, whatever you want to call them that I had gotten to know. I really went on this huge networking path and really wanted to meet a lot of people that have done what I have done. I want to learn what's the good, the bad, and the ugly and tell it to me straight. And ultimately, I was able to get in front of a lot of really good people that had 
kind of been in that same position as me, but they were 20, 30 years down the road and, you know, they had made a success of what they had done, but they even tell me a lot of the failures in between. So it was nice to kind of hear from that. But there was one individual in particular that I remember I was talking to him like, we got this business. It's not doing, you know, it's not taking off by any means, but it's given me a lot of passion and purpose. And I really enjoy what I'm doing. And he's like, well, I can tell you from what I'm doing right now and listening to you is that, and he used these words and I, I need to put them up on my wall is that he goes, you are not all in. And I, I tried to understand like, what are you saying at that point? Because I was, I was kind of frustrated in the sense of, and I'm giving everything I've got to my W-2. I'm giving everything I got to this other business. I feel like I'm all in. And ultimately, after some reflection on that, even after you know a year or two later before I left, what he was talking about was I wasn't all in on myself. I didn't quite believe I could do it at that point. And because of those words and the reflection that I was able to have, it really guided me to get smart about what we were looking to accomplish. You know, let's get our finances in place. Do we have a strategy? Do we have a pull the plug button in case things go haywire after we do something along these lines? And, you know, we're, we're people of faith and we prayed over this for a long time. And ultimately, we kept coming to this, this decision of if we don't take this leap, you know, we've got the things in place to make it happen. If we don't do it, will we look back in 20 years and regret it? And it was just too easy of a situation for us to be like, you know, what better time than in a pandemic to jump ship, go after some of the things that you want to accomplish and, and see what happens from it. And that's, that's ultimately what we did. And I have a lot of really good people in my corner that continue to help me stay on the path, encourage me and give me the truth when I need to hear the truth. Why don't you, because we've been talking about more than a meal, but we haven't talked about what it is and what your passion is exactly. And I think people are curious. Yeah, well, if you want me to talk about my business, I would love to do that. Um, so more than a meal really got started after my wife and I experienced our, our first son. Uh, my wife developed preeclampsia and had a C-section due to that. And it wasn't the first couple of weeks that were challenging for us. I mean, they were challenging, but everybody has those challenging moments. But it was really a couple months afterwards where the sleep deprivation comes in. My wife's still recovering from everything that she went through and I'm back at work. It was just a really challenging time for us. And my wife had prepared really simple ingredients that she threw into a slow cooker. And I just remember coming home that day and she said, I really felt like I helped out. And so it was not the clouds have parted and everything is back to normal again. It was a spark. It was, we're going to make this. This is our new normal and we're going to figure out how to get through this and we're going to make it. And we just really had been pushed through our own faith to figure out the things that we are good at, the gifts that we've been given to go out and serve other people. And that was something that we could very easily do. That's the general concept behind is sending a meal from you to somebody that you care about. And when we ultimately got started, it was more of a business to consumer approach to the business. And we recognized after about two years of doing that, the majority of our orders were coming from business-related transactions, meaning employers were buying meals for their employees after they had had a baby, but not even just the baby side of things, but somebody going through chemotherapy, recovering from COVID injuries and surgeries, all these different scenarios, all the way to now we've got people sending them when they close on a new house or somebody's gotten a referral. So it's taken this kind of weird journey where we've literally literally let the company kind of guide itself to where it is and what people want to use this for. And ultimately today, we work with business owners, HR directors, and sales individuals to help them engage with their clients and employees after they've gone through 
different sort of life events, whether those are positive life events or negative life events. And there's no better way to show appreciation than meeting somebody where they are at. So often, we can be going through a lost uh, loved one or a newborn baby. And in the business community, oftentimes, we don't maybe know the best way or we have this idea that this is the best way. And ultimately, it comes through. And this is I've talked to other people about their experience and it just kind of felt like this is what they did for everybody. And, you know, I, I get that there's these certain things that you need to repeat. And especially on a compliance level, you can't show favoritism to one person or the other, anything along those lines, but meeting them where they're at in the sense of what do I need in this moment that's really going to help me out? And I believe that food is one of those universal languages. And there's studies shown to prove that people eating around a dinner table, a family around a dinner table, having conversation is proven to reduce stress and anxiety. I've got a couple of toddlers right now, so I can argue against that right now at, at certain <laughs> times as it's a very stressful moment of the day for us. But ultimately, we are really helping those organizations by putting a meal on their employee or their client's table and allowing them to just be present with the people that they care about most, taking that deep breath. And, and we do that through different engagement where you can send one to an individual on a one-off scenario or most recently, we've introduced our employee benefits side of things where organizations can actually provide their employees a meal a week or a meal a month at a subsidized cost where we work with them to help their employees opt into a, a employee benefit program. And we've had really good traction and interest with that in just the last couple months. When you think of the schedule that many parents and many, it was single people also, but parents with children, school-aged children have, and there's homework. You know, after you get home from work, there's homework to be done. There are baths to be taken. Just knowing that you don't have to prepare a meal, that there's a meal there for your family, is huge. It's absolutely huge. That gives a person, whoever it is, husband, wife, father, mother, whichever, it frees them up. It frees both of them up because many times both parents are the chefs in the kitchen. And that's just a thoughtful, meaningful benefit that you wouldn't, or I wouldn't have ordinarily thought of it. I like to cook. So it's not a problem for me to, you know, go in the kitchen. I'm a quick cook. I can cook quickly and it tastes good. So I'm, I'm fine. But everybody can't do that. No, we have seen us with a, a toddler and an infant. Like it is the hours between four and bedtime is just all hands on deck between bathing and playing and eating and all those different things. And it can really be challenging. And I, there's a, uh, I can't remember where I heard it from, but I, I 100% agree with it because it happens in our family almost every single day. And it's ironic that we, we have this company, but it seems like two, three, four o'clock every single day, the most asked question is, what do you want for dinner? Yes. And, you know, oftentimes when we're bouncing from one practice to the next for sports with the kids and, you know, we're exhausted, you know, my wife stays at home right now with her kids. And, you know, by the time it's, it's time for me to close up, I mean, she is exhausted and, you know, who wants to go and prepare a meal after being exhausted? So we really, we recognize that our, our core interest group is going to be those busy parents that are maybe going through something or even some elderly people that still want to cook, but maybe need something a little less invasive or hands off. And that's really where we kind of fall in to really help support. And ultimately, you kept talking about these different things 
that the meals provide. And ultimately, it's time. Like we are providing time for that family to do the things that they need or want to do in those moments. They don't need to worry about the food. They don't need to cook. They don't need the extra dishes. Just give them something that is going to be helpful. It's not going to take a lot of time. And then that it's truly from somebody else that is there saying, I hear you. I see you. I want to take care of you. And that to us is like the more than the meal, because ultimately that's what we're providing. The, The more than is what our organization does. We do happen to have some ingredients that are in a box that allow you to have some nourishment in the meantime as well. Well, you know, one of the, I don't know how to, how to phrase it. I've been surprised over the years, food allergies. How do you deal with those? Because, you know, whether it's, whether it's a nut allergy or a gluten intolerance or lactose intolerance, there are all kinds of food-related challenges. Are you confronted with those? How do you get around it if you are? Yeah. I mean, as a a organization that provides food, we have to be very aware of that. And ultimately, we have different meals that allow for that. And it's it's interesting. So I I put together this customer marketing strategy where I believe that if you are willing to invest back into your existing clients, you can increase retention, referrals, and revenue. And one of those 11 steps that are in there is, is talking about, you know, gifting appropriately, which ultimately comes down to, you know, obviously we provide food and we think that would be a really great gift in that scenario. But so often, and and forgive me if this is what you've done in the past, I, I'm raising my hand as well. But I know for, for many years, it was either a pie or a loaf of bread or all these different things that we would just go out and buy. And then we'd go throw it on somebody's desk. And then after being where I'm at now, realizing like one of the best ones that I love is like this walnut loaf bread. And it's absolutely amazing. But if I put that on the the table of somebody that's got a, a nut allergy or a, a celiac with gluten, I put a, almost a death sentence on their desk. And like, although right. the gesture was nice, the intent, the authenticity of it was completely missed and it did not further that relationship or strengthen that relationship. So we really try to talk about in these, these different steps of learning who that individual is, asking the right questions to understand. And, you know, I'll I'll even throw in a lot of times around the holidays, we gift out alcohol. And I really push back on a lot of people to say, unless you are 120% sure that that individual will appreciate that, do not send them a bottle because you never know what that individual could be fighting behind closed doors or their individuals in their homes or their families could be fighting behind those doors. So just stay clear of the things that you're not sure of. And, you know, if you're trying to figure out something that is a good gift, just stay away from the consumables. No, you're absolutely right. And that's something that might not come become top of mind for most people. You know, it's a nice, a nice social gesture. Yeah. Yeah. The intent was, was, there's no malice in it. No, right. You sent something that could potentially enable and it's, it's challenging. You know, I am coming from the construction industry as an engineer, we would send out bottle openers or things like that. And at that time, it never even phased me. But now I'm sitting there thinking like, man, I, I hope I didn't send a bottle opener to somebody that's trying to overcome something. Well, you know, a bottle opener is one thing. A bottle of scotch is something else. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely uh, can be different. But, you know, those were just never the questions that I understood. So I always encourage people in our, our 11-step process is understanding who they are as an individual. And one of those questions is, is what is your favorite drink? And if yeah. they do not list alcohol, do not send alcohol to them ever. Yeah. And to your, but to your point, even if they say alcohol, they may have a problem. Do you know what I mean? You're, that is true. You just don't know. 
because they might be fighting a battle that people aren't aware of and that they're keeping, you know, secret. These kind of questions popped into my head because I know especially young children have developed food-related allergies. And um, it's been a challenge to get kids to eat (laughs) the way we'd like them to. I can attest to that. I'm sure. You know, even if you send a lovely meal for a family, the children may not want whatever you send. They may want mac and cheese (laughs) or hot dogs. You know, I don't know. I know from my friends and my friends' children that every child is not a good eater. Yeah. And anybody that tells me their children is a good eater, I have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You picked up the gauntlet and you've been successful at what you're doing. So, you know, you're to be commended. I think it is such a lovely way to support people during whatever it is that they're experiencing, whether it's a, a happy occasion or a sad occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Food always works. You know, everybody's got to eat. Everybody has to eat. And oftentimes when you're going through different times of adversity, some of the things that you think about last is, you know, taking care of yourself. And, you know, this is a really simple way, you know, it's, it's, you know, as my wife and I have had our first couple of kids and we've got another one coming very, very soon. There's this weird thing of when people ask, like, how can we help? We don't know how to answer that. And, you know, I, I, I so wish that, you know, eventually and, and not from a way for us to benefit from that, but I, I so easily want to say, like, just send us food, give us a meal because, you know, things that we're going through right now is nobody can really help us. It's just something we have to get through. But the one thing that is nice is that we don't have to worry about this and having a really quick answer to that is, is nice. Now, now that I say that, I please don't send me a meal for my company as you're going to make me do more work while I'm tired and exhausted. But at the same time, it can just be a really simple way for somebody to like, just tell me what I need to send. And, and I'll even go back on that and say, don't even ask me, just send me this. And, you know, one of the things that we've taken into account with our organization is like, I don't want to throw food on somebody's doorstep and say, you have to eat this right now. Now, when you buy it for somebody, it's on their clock to say when we want to receive this. And it could be a month or two after somebody bought it for somebody. And you know what? That's for us to keep track of and make sure that they know that that is coming in the future. And whenever they are ready for it, it's here and it's waiting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. It's on their time, whenever it is that they want it and whatever it is they want. You know, you think about what I know from personal circumstances, people ask what we can do. What can I do? Because they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I know that people, I've heard from people on the other side saying, you know, people ask what they can do and, you know, why don't they just do it? Whatever it is they can do, why don't they just do it? Hmm. But, you know, people want to make sure that whatever they're doing is welcome, is needed, will benefit. You know, you don't want to just, you know, come to the house with balloons if that's not what's going to benefit you, given whatever the circumstances are. You know, it's tough. It's tough on both sides. But food is a universal, is universally appreciated, I would think. As long as it's good, tasty food. <laughs> oh, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Give me a warm meal and we can definitely have a That's conversation. Right. That's for sure. That's 
saying everybody's got to eat. <laughs> I, I, it's, look, you know, and but I also realize that people's palates are different. Yeah. Their tastes and the foods and the the taste that they're used to. Like for me on Thanksgiving, growing up in my mother's house, my mother was an excellent cook. I don't like going to anybody's house for Thanksgiving. I want my mother's food and my mother is gone, but I cook well and I cook like she cooks. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like my Thanksgiving. That's my favorite holiday. But I know from having people, you know, guests for Thanksgiving that they're guests who I don't have rice and gravy for Thanksgiving. And one of my one of my friends, their sister, came to Thanksgiving and there was no rice and gravy and she was bummed out. So it's a you know, you may want to think of that. Maybe not cultural, but you know, regional meals that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we've really tried to uh, hone on and hone in on the majority of the different dietary preferences that people will have. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I recognize we're not going to be a good fit for everybody and that's okay. But we do want to make sure that the majority of the individuals that have an opportunity to use our, our, our meals can, you know, enjoy them and it be beneficial. Now, you know, there's different cultural things and, and religious things that we have to take into account as well for certain individuals. And, you know, we do everything we can to to help with that, but I also won't lead somebody down astray saying, yeah, sure, we can do that when we don't actually follow through. I mean, that's that's just lack of integrity and, you know, that breaks down trust and things don't go well when you start promising things that you're not going to follow through with, especially when it comes to those types of circumstances. So, Now, are barbecue ribs big in what, Missouri, did you say? Oh, Kansas City is the, oh, the yes, capital of barbecue. Oh, Kansas City. I know Kansas City and North Carolina has its ribs. Kansas City has its ribs. So now you can send a rib dinner. I think most people, unless there were religious or dietary restrictions, would be thrilled. Yeah, I, I would say the majority of the Kansas City area would not be upset about receiving a rack of ribs from anybody in that scenario. Now, you know, one of the things that we utilize within more than a meal is that everything is fresh, raw ingredients. So you do have to cook that when you get to your house with our meals. That said, everything is cooked in a slow cooker or an instant pot. And the reason that we have individuals cook those meals, although it is less than five minutes of prep, it's hands-free cooking, there is a sense of empowerment when you are the one to provide the meal for your family. You know, when my wife said she felt like she had really helped out that day. That was a that was the changing moment. It wasn't the food that we ate. It was her actively providing for her family in that that moment when she felt like she wasn't doing well. That was the piece for us. And that's what we really want to have these meals be is that most of the people that are using our, our meals are going through some sort of transition in life. Right. But it's those moments where you can say even during these tough or happy transition moments, I was the one that was able to provide for my family in this moment. And now because of what I've accomplished, maybe that leads them to accomplishing more the next day and the next day and the next day and getting beyond whatever situation they may be going through. And I realized, you know, sometimes it's just somebody going into a new house and they can't find the pots and pans and they just need something simple. Like that's, that works too. But uh, for someone that's lost a loved one or going through 
the sleep deprivation of a, a newborn baby, like there are moments where it's just incredibly encouraging, empowering to be the one versus just getting something again. Mitch, what advice would you give someone who is at a crossroads and is considering making a move, maybe becoming an entrepreneur because they identified a passion, some way they could make a contribution um, similar to what you've done that would benefit people, contribute to the betterment of a person's situation, whether it was, as I said, a happy occasion or a sad circumstance. What advice would you give them as they're making this, trying to make the decision as to whether to move forward or to stay where they are? There's a lot of things to uncover in a lot of that. And I'll try and keep it somewhat short in the sense of, you know, what I've kind of learned on the other side, but as well as what other people had mentioned to me before I did make this jump is, you know, if the very real sense and the fact of, you know, if you're doing whatever you want to go do to make money, if that's your your goal is to go out and create money, you're going to burn out very, very quickly. That is where the purpose, the passion, whatever. I know that's like everybody talks about go out and find the thing that you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. It's not true. If you go out and do things that you love and enjoy, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it, but there are still bad days. And if you don't have the purpose behind what you are doing and it's focused purely monetarily, I fear that you will burn out. And on the other side of that thing is to understand that you won't take a paycheck longer than you think. Uh, You can think that maybe you'll have a paycheck in six months. I would bet a little bit longer. I've talked to a lot of people that have over a year, two years, three years before they are able to pay themselves through their business. So this is not a jump out figure out what you want to do and go and create something and you'll be fine. It's, you know, there's, there's a plan. There's a, a method behind all of this. And ultimately, our business was operating two years before I even had this idea in my head that maybe it's something we could, I could transition out of my engineering. And ultimately, that was because there were certain things that had occurred and things that had been proven and things that I saw that we could do even better that could potentially allow us to be in this position where we could create this business off of it and, and I could leave the engineering world. So there was a, a method to it. There was a plan to it. And ultimately, I think the biggest thing for me that's been one of my biggest assets, especially here in the Kansas City area, is just the network that I've been able to build. So I would encourage anybody that is thinking about jumping from their employer to go in and do their own thing is have a plan in place, understand why you're doing what you want to do, and go and meet and talk to as many people as you possibly can. Try and add value to them. You know, what is it that they would like to learn or need and all that? So you can actually provide something for them while you're asking them questions of what did you do? Why did you do it? What are the things that are unexpected? Because I think me knowing that going in has allowed me to say, you know what, that person told me this would happen. Or that person was right that this was going to take longer than I thought it would. And it allows you to keep moving forward because the things that people had spoken into you were truth and not just pomp and circumstance. No, you know, I wish I had talked to you or someone else before I started my business, because in retrospect, I now know that what you just said is absolutely the truth. I had to ask myself, did you do what you did because of hubris? Did you think that you knew so much that you could do it without you know, taking the steps that you described, Mitch. But it wasn't that, you know, my situation was different. Someone 
had promised me a platform that would have been allowed me to um, further my objective. Mm. And then he passed away unexpectedly. And mm. I have to keep remembering that because, see, I'm not a risk taker. Wow. I, a nine to five was never a problem for me. I liked getting a paycheck, as the kids um, on television say, on the regular. Okay. I like to have that paycheck every two weeks, every month, whatever the schedule was. Because I had to stop and think, Beverly, how did you, how did this happen? <laughs> and it was an unexpected demise. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And things have just happened, you know, that have been unexpected. My first book was self-published and I wanted to update it and I didn't want to pay for it myself. And out of the blue, someone contacted me on LinkedIn and asked if I would be willing to, you know, to write a book. And hmm. I thought it was a scam. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very trusting. And I, and, but <laughs> I said to myself, I said, wait a minute, you can get in touch with her. You're a lawyer. You're not going to sign anything. What's wrong with you? So I, I contacted her and then she said I should get in touch with this guy in the UK. And then I knew it was a scam. Mm. And, but I, I got in touch with him and it wasn't a scam. It was a legitimate publishing company that wanted me to write a book. Wow. They were starting a new line and they wanted career books, uh, mm. career related books. And they had seen mine. And they told me I could use material for my first book. It well, didn't that's fantastic. Me. I'm telling you. So I was like, okay, this is, this, it's coming together. And then my podcast, it's just been so gratifying. The, I've had a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. I've interviewed a, an Olympian, although his, his interview didn't record well. So I made reference to his interview in the book as opposed to the podcast. Yeah. Just a wealth of, you know, an actress, an actor who had a recurring role in Orange is the New Black. Mm. Just been, whoa, a rock wow. star, a rock star. Who knew? Was My that me? <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. I wish I was. I play the drums, but that's all I got. You're an up and coming rock star. Oh. You're an up and coming rock star. Now, this guy, I'd never heard of the band. His father is my dentist. But when I mentioned it to my god, when I mentioned the band's name, it's Modern Baseball. My goddaughter screamed. And I said, what do you know about them? She said, one of her best friends, that's her favorite group. Wow. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's like. Never know. The perfect storm, the confluence of things coming together. And it benefits people. It's free information about networking, about being an entrepreneur and the steps you should take, about things you should think about before you leave your job. It's And the people that I've interviewed are from all over the world, all over the country. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't a right side or a left side. You know, I wanted yeah, to make yeah. sure it was people from, you know, the Northeast, the Midwest, the Southeast. I just haven't gotten Hawaii and Alaska. Those sound like more in-person interviews to me. Well, you know, at least the Hawaii is. 
You know, what I love about all of that is it all started from you being open-minded and willing to have a conversation with somebody, even though it felt like it might've been a scam, you took the time to hear somebody out. And I I recently had a a friend tell me, uh, his name's Jamie, he's got a nonprofit here in the Kansas City area. uh, He's doing incredible things, but he talked about learning the 90%. So he really equated it to an iceberg. So, so often we sit there and we judge people based off the 10% that we can see. So we looked around in this coffee shop and he said, you know, whether we like to say it or not, we judge this person based off of the 10% that we can see. But so often we have to have a conversation like this to learn the 90%, to learn that you don't like taking risks and that you did. And ultimately, your your partner had unexpectedly passed away. Like I would not have known that if we didn't have the time to have these types of conversations. And now it's led to you having conversations with rock stars and Olympians and Pulitzer Prize winners. Like That is incredible all because... You were open-minded to take the time to say, I appreciate you reaching out. I want to learn more about you so that I can hear your story. And you know that's so much of just what we continue to tell people is you don't have to have a business conversation every time somebody reaches out to you or everybody is going to want, try and get something from you. Now, granted, there's, there's people out there that will do that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely the type of individual that will trust first until you've proven to me that I can't trust you, which can somewhat be a fault at times, but ultimately, like I truly seek to hear somebody's ninety percent of them, and then if something works out from a business side, that's that's fantastic. If it doesn't, I can guarantee you that I've never walked away from a conversation saying that person is a waste. Like yeah. that is just inhumanely so far away from what we are innate as human beings. It's like we truly want to learn people and and serve people and help others. So why not? Take the time to hear somebody out for five or 10 minutes and you never know. You never know what that can lead to. In fact, you, Mitch, I found out about you from a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time, but we were at a a wedding recently and she texted me. She said, I just saw this guy on some local television show. She said, I think you need to get in touch with him. He may be somebody for you to interview. Maybe there's some synergies there. And I said, why not? <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess I, you're, you're right. I'm more open than I, I was before. I'm open to the possibilities. Yeah. Obviously, there are conversations where you've talked to somebody like, well, this isn't going anywhere. We're not, we're not hitting it off or anything along those lines. And that, and that happens and that's totally fine. But if you can truly get to know people and hear their story and understand what they're true desires are and passions are, you'll you'll really find. And this is just how my network exploded was the fact that I really consciously, purposely tried to get to where, you know, there's, uh, I forget the book that it comes from, but the acronym FROG. So you're talking about family, recreation, occupation, and goals. FROG. It's mm-hmm. a really easy way for me to remember, all right, I'm sitting down with somebody new. These are the four categories that I can talk with if the conversation is dying or whatnot. And so often I really try to remove the occupation side of that because I want to understand their family, what they do outside of work and their goals. Because if you can really start getting them to open up about that, you can really get to know somebody really, really well. And whether or not business ever comes from it or occupation ever comes from it, just let it be. Take the time to slow down and get to know somebody. Everything else will follow. But so often, uh, you know, we're in this instant gratification world where we got to cut straight to the chase. Otherwise, you know, it's a waste of our time is... I would tend to argue the opposite sometimes. And, you know, we don't always tend to create win-win situations. It's like, what is it? What's in it for me? Or what can you do for me? 
or I need a job. Uh, you know, people don't think about, okay, you need a job. What do you bring to the table? Then it's, you know, what can you do? You need a mentor. The person's mentoring. What can you do for your mentor? It shouldn't be a one-way street. It should be give and take, you know, give and take, give and take. There should be reciprocity. There, there should, but without the expectation is what I would I would say. When you have a true relationship, like without the expectation of getting something in return, you're really going to provide value to somebody. And ultimately, and if you continue to put that out there, not only the ex- excuse me for interrupting you, Mitch, no, but you're not fine. Only the expectation. It's not the requirement. It's not required. But yes. you should think of giving as well as receiving. You know, and then it's a win-win. No one feels taken advantage of. No one feels used if it's both sides getting something. That's the way I try to look at it. One of the top five books that I've ever read is Go-Giver by Bob Berg. And it just, it hits that down to its core of give first. Now, there's definitely a a sense of making sure you're not getting taken advantage of. But at the same time, like you said, it's not expected. It's not... What's a quid quid pro quo? Is that it? You you do this and I'll do this type of thing. Uh, if you go into that, you will. And you know it's it's funny. It is funny a little bit, but it's it's sad and part of my learning and self development process. There was a book I read one time, and it talked about this guy that he would go and buy Starbucks gift cards before he'd go out on a flight, and he would always hand it to the flight attendants because they were. Very little time in between flights. They're going from one place to the other. They're out of their suitcase the whole time. And he said, I just wanted to bless them. And he said, because I, I was so willing to give, like I received so much back between free drinks and priority seating and all this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking like, man, if I go out and buy these gift cards, like I'm going to get upgraded. I'm going to get all these things. And I handed them out and I got nothing. And I was like, what? What, why am I not getting anything in return? And ultimately, I, I finally had that realization of the sense of, I'm doing this to receive something. I'm not doing this to truly care about this individual. So if you can kind of carry that mindset of like, go in and truly figure out how you can help them and don't worry about how they can help you, you will be amazed at what can come back based off of just your true desire to truly serve somebody else. I agree. My grandmother used to say, you'll never get anything with your fist clench. Keep your Mm. hand open so that you can give and you can help and it will come to you. Your blessings will come to you. And you know, I found that she's right. Takes time sometimes, but I I have to agree. I have to agree. Well, if you know any corporate corporations that might be willing to donate to buy books, buy the copies of my books to donate to underserved communities, please tell them to get in touch with me because that's my next mission. So many people are out here looking for work because they think that, you know, there's a a job out there for them. Hopefully before they do that, they will stop into your suggestion. They'll plan. They'll come up with a plan of how to proceed because they need to be strategic. (laughs) And I, and I would add too, like, Jobs are not a bad thing. I, I mean, my my decision was ultimately where I wanted to go, which is creating my own business. But you know, if that's not in the cards for you, it's still not wrong to want to work at an organization that's doing amazing things, and the value that you could bring to that organization could be exactly what they are looking for, and you can be incredibly happy in that. So don't just think, 
oh, if I only I had my own company, I would be happy is you got to dig deep and understand what it is that you truly want. And if it is that path and, you know, with the right planning and expectations, go for it. But if you also come to the realization that maybe it's not the risk taken that you, you're really wanting and it's the more the security of, of having a, a job at times, but more so being more in a zone that you thrive in, there's probably an organization out there for you. And it's, it takes time to figure that out. And again, I always kind of go back to like, expand your network, learn new people, learn what you can do to help and serve them. And you'll be amazed at the doors that could potentially open up for you and, and find that space that you need to be in. You're absolutely right, Mitch. Now, Mitch, tell people how they can get in touch with you. And maybe someone listening will need to buy, avail themselves of your services for someone that they want to let know that they care. Yeah, I appreciate you asking me that. They can get a hold of me by just finding me on LinkedIn. You make sure you find the Mitch case that's in Kansas City. And ultimately, if you want to reach out to myself via email, you can do that at hello at more than a meal co.com. And ultimately, what I'd be happy to provide for anybody that does listen to this is I referenced our customer marketing strategy and those 11 steps that we've compiled to really help strengthen that relationship through many different types of ways. And you can do that by going to our website as well as www.morethanamealco.com backslash customer-marketing-strategy. Okay, great. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for taking the time and best of wishes to you and your lovely wife for the birth of your daughter when she gets here. I know her brothers are excited. I know the oldest is. I don't know if the middle one knows what's about to hit him. So we'll we'll get there. But I'm incredibly excited to have a little Christmas baby here coming up at the end of the year. And just that's wonderful. What a beautiful way to wrap up 2021. Yes, listeners, if you will leave a, a review for the podcast, we're available on Spotify and iTunes. Please consider picking up a copy of my new book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job. Uh, The website is www.youremploymentmatters.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.